0: We have been in a series called, We're Kind of Dysfunctional. I'm kind of dysfunctional with turning my mic on this morning. But, you know, hey, we, we can we can all relate that um, I've had so many people encouraged by this series They come up to me, and 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 most of us don't like to publicly say it, but many have leaned in and said, you know, my family, it's true, we, we got a little bit of dysfunction. We're kind of dysfunctional in one area or another. And I always lean into family series or marriage series because um, I need to get better better at this department and i believe that that is part of the package when it comes with being a witness for jesus christ that as i get closer to jesus god is love and so i i become a better lover i become better at loving people when i get close to the one who is love and so I my hope for you throughout this whole uh, sermon series this will be the last week and ne- next week we'll start a brand new series about the Holy Spirit that I'm excited to share with you about um but through this series called we're kind of dysfunctional our hope has been that you would draw closer and closer to Jesus and that it would have a direct effect on your family legacy lineage and um just who you are because Jesus transforms us and he did it for me um and he'll do it for you and so we're so glad that you're here before i get really into the crux of this message i want to take some time to uh spend some time in prayer would you join me in prayer we're going to pray for all of those involved in the midst of uh ukraine and and russia uh um situation listen i i am not the best at uh um uh, current affairs and different things like that. What I and so what I do know is that there are a lot of people who love Jesus who are in the midst of it, and there's a lot of people that are hurting and 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 stricken with fear and in the middle of it. So uh, we need to take a moment to stop and to pray for everyone who's involved with that. Would you pray with me, Father? I lift up every single person who's in Ukraine. Who some are been um, um, uh, all of a sudden just thrust into places that they never imagined they could be I see people having to take up arms and defend their own country I see um, invasion I see, father I lift up leadership I lift up people I lift up believers and Christians I pray father that your sovereign hand would be over this I ask that your will would be done where uh, human's wills do not line up with your wills father I pray that father you would make a way that you would um, cause there to be peace in the midst of the storm God I thank you that you're with us and so father i lift up every single fearful soul that father right now that you would be with them i lift up every child father and i pray that your holy spirit would protect them that there would be an invisible hand of protection over every single one father i just pray that. I don't understand all the dynamics, but and for those who do, all all we know is no matter how much we know, we need more of you. And so, Father, I'm asking for your hand. I'm asking for your intervention. I'm asking for your will. I'm asking for your peace in the name of Jesus Christ. May all leaders uh, submit to your voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone agrees with that said. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. I believe that we need to be in prayer all throughout this week. Like I said, some of y'all are totally on top of this kind of news and some of you don't know very much as um, I I tend to uh, have to catch myself up to speed too. But one thing I do know is we're called to pray. Called to pray. You don't have to know much. To pray okay you just need to know god so anyway um let's get into the message that uh i, I feel like god put on my heart for we're kind of dysfunctional week four if you got your bible go with me to exodus chapter 15. exodus chapter 15 is a portion of scripture um, that stands out to me. Let me give you a little bit of context. Um, God's people are the Israelites and for uh, hundreds of years they've been enslaved by the Egyptians. Many of you know the story about Moses coming in and confronting Pharaoh and the plagues and and then God sets them free and, and only to be uh, trapped by the Red Sea and then the Red Sea parts miraculously and God's people go through and when God's people go through, the, the waters come down on their attackers, their opposition their enemies Um, they get uh, swallowed up by the rivers and the water and then God's people are free but God's people are now free in a desert And there are people who can relate to the desert. Maybe you're going through a desert time. Maybe um, people in your family are going through a desert time. But the Bible picks up here. And this is where we're picking up in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. It says that Moses led Israel from the Red Sea um, onto the wilderness of Shur. And they traveled for three days, say three days, through the wilderness without finding any Water and, and, and then they got to Mara, uh, but they couldn't drink the water of Mara. Mara seems to be either a city or the name of some body of water. And so they finally, Mara, come on, it's Mara. They approached the water and they could not drink it because it was bitter. In fact, that's why the place is called Mara. And the people complained to Moses, saying, "So what are we supposed to do now? Where what are we supposed to drink?" How long are we supposed to go without any sort of water? In verse 25, so Moses cried out in prayer to God, and God pointed him to a stick of wood, and Moses threw it into the water, and the water turned sweet. Moses was instructed to take a stick of wood, throw it into the water, and the water turned sweet. This morning I want to preach a message called simply bitter waters bitter waters and and would you join me in prayer father i'm asking we open up our hearts to you right now and we ask you to write your word upon our hearts that we don't sin against you father we ask that uh, we we want to be as receptive as possible we ask that you would eliminate we eliminate all distractions in our lives and father help us to draw closer to you thank you that you're here and you're near and when we draw near to you you draw near to us so we praise you in jesus name Everyone said, amen. You know, this story, in some ways, uh, uh, maybe it's because of a stick, I don't know. It reminds me of, um, I don't know, I guess it's a teaching parable of some sorts, or maybe it really happened, uh, that a Boy Scout troop's was sent to do their um, emergency first aid wilderness rescue uh, assignment and so they selected two boys to play injured in the woods and the rest of the troop had to go find them dress their wounds and then bring them back to safety so that they could earn their badge Um, when the troop got to the first boy They took so long figuring out how to dress them. This is the first time they were going through it. They took so long trying to dress him and take care of him and move him and, and leadership dynamics, struggle, all this stuff. That by the time they finally got the kid on a gurney and started moving on, by the time they got to the place where they should have found the second boy who was wounded, they found no boy, for all they found was a note instead. And the note read this, "Um, I've bled to death and gone home. (laughs) He, He was tired of waiting. And I wonder how many people feel like the second Boy Scout. Discouraged? Bleeding to death, and I'm going home. Or worse, I don't want to go home bleeding to death and discouraged because home is the source of much of my discouragement. Home is the source of much of the dysfunction. My house is kind of dysfunctional. And so we all deal with discouragement, but when it's dished out at home, it's almost, like a, 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 it's almost like a double disappointment that you not only got three days of a desert, but then you find water only to find out the water is bitter. Where can I find some refreshment? Where can I find some reprieve? Where does this all turn around? So many people feeling like it's been too long since I felt valuable. Too long since I felt any worth. Too long since I felt seen. And you know what? Many people in our day deal with this period, but it's a a double shame when we cannot find this in our homes. We got to go from kind of being dysfunctional to being setting up our homes as safe havens where there can be life and life more abundantly that is fueled by the uh, uh, ever-flowing waters of a well called Jesus Christ living on the inside of us. And while we may not be perfect and we might not get it all right, we are trying to set up places where you are not in the desert and you are not trying to drink from bitter waters. We are finding life. Psalm 69 describes how many people might feel as the psalmist once sang, actually lamenting in verse 19. This is probably the cry of many people who live in the desert of discouragement. This is their cry. You know my shame. You know my scorn. You know my disgrace. And you see all that my enemies are doing. Their insults have broken my heart. And I am in despair. Know anybody who's got a soul cry that's going, God help me, somebody listen, I am in despair. You see what I'm going through, what I go through at school, what I go through at work, what I go through with the people i got to be around all the time. You know I'm in despair. And if only one person would show some pity, if only one would turn and comfort me, but instead they give me poison for food, they offer me sour wine, for my thirst it's once again bitter water that doesn't quite touch the desert of discouragement. Deserts of discouragement happen in our homes um, when we w- use words, um, words that hurt people, when we insult and, and, and throw things uh, with our insults, we throw insults at people. We make comments that we know we should have never made. If you're close to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, that was stupid the moment you you, you said what you just said. You, I, I know I shouldn't have said that. Um, uh, deserts of discouragement happen in our homes when we call each other names and we devalue one another because God is the God who gives us life gives us value and speaks at what is not yet as though it is and many a times we people can be caught in deserts of discouragement where I, I, I can't find life I'm feeling so discouraged I'm feeling down this is when suicides go up this is when loneliness goes up this is when depression goes up this is when valuelessness goes up this is when giving yourself away cheaply goes up this is when making dumb decisions goes up because I'm not of very much worth anyway everybody just talks about how big of a screw-up I am anyway living in a desert of discouragement now um, a study was once done of children uh, the, in, in it was the it, which which school was this? This was Springfield College in Massachusetts. Um, it was designed to see the effects on kids when they are having to do continuous, monotonous work without any kind of encouragement or discouragement. And um, I, I like collecting stories like this because it tells us so much about how I'm wired and how the people in your house is wired. And, and, and this is what it says that um, they brought in a bunch of uh, young elementary kids and they said, draw a picture, the best picture you ever could draw. And so they got out, they gave them all the artwork, and they started drawing the pictures. And the study was uh, conducted that they were not allowed to encourage no matter how great the uh, artwork was or discourage no matter how terrible it was. The only thing they were instructed to do is when every kid was completed, the teacher said, thank you for doing that, now draw me another one better. They drew another one. Then they said, Thank you for doing that. Now draw me another one better. They did this four rounds. <laughs> this is some of the results that they observed of some of the kids. Some kids got visually angry. <laughs> one refused to draw anymore. One said, This, I feel trapped, and you're a meanie. <laughs> Stop making me do this work over and over again with no encouragement, no feedback whatsoever. And and um, e- each drawing, do you think that any of them got better and better and better without any sort of encouragement? 100% of their art got worse and worse and worse to the point where some just started drawing lines. Going, you stupid project. <laughs> there, I obeyed. But passive resistance, this... This discouragement sets in, and, 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 and I think what we can learn from that is people need affirmation to get the best out of them. And that's why I know that I love being in relationship with God. Because God is the one who speaks life. He is the author of life. And he also teaches us that what we can do with our tongue is we can either speak life or we can speak death. Scriptures tell us that. I'll read it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. This is what I need to help us understand. We get rid of the dysfunction in our families by letting Jesus heal the bitterness that comes from our mouths. My question to you today, will you be a body of water that when people drink from you, when people interact with you, when people encounter you, when people come home to you, when you come home to people, will they be drinking from the waters of Mara, Or will they be drinking from the sweet, refreshing waters that can be transformed by the power of God? The Israelites had been walking in the wilderness for three days. How long can a human being go? without getting a taste of water how long can you live in the desert of discouragement without getting a drink of water how long can your marriage thrive without your spouse giving a a, a, a sip of encouragement from water to break up the discouragement that surrounds. How long can your kids go hearing how terrible they are and how they are missing the mark in so many ways that they fail you before they get waters that come from us? I get it. We live in a land there. It's easy to spot my own negatives. It's easy to spot your negatives. It's easy. For some of us, we're naturally optimistic. You see, the, the glass half full praise God for you keep being encouragers the Bible actually talks about spiritual gifts that God gives and one of them is if you're an encourager give it liberally why because we live in a world that needs more and more encouragement because we're told draw again and this time do it better draw again and this time do it better Go home and be married again. This time, do it better. Go home and parent again. This time, do it better. Go to work again. This time, do it better. No pay raise, no affirmation, no encouragement from your spouse. Kids tell you you don't understand and you're an idiot (laughs) and you're told, go at it again. This time, draw it again. And we need encouragers, but some of us are not optimistic. We're pessimistic and we need to realize that Proverbs 18.21 says this, words kill. There's my scripture. I finally got it, caught up to it. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You get to choose what comes out of your mouth. You get to choose. William Arthur Ward said this. Somebody from our team shared this quote with me. Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive, I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. Let me say that again. Now, flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may, um, I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will never forget you. Come on. People, as water is essential to life, encouragement is essential to the soul. In fact, write this down. Bitter water creates bitter people. Sweet water restores people. Um, When I was immature and growing up in high school and throughout college, um, what guys do is guys rip one another. (laughs) that's typically how locker room talk goes. That's typically how sports room talk goes. That's typically, um, um, so by the time I was in college, I was playing in a band, and honestly, if you came in as an outsider and just heard all of our inside jokes, which was basically just ripping one another the whole time, an outsider would sit in here and go, you're kind of dysfunctional like this whole team, (laughs) this whole tribe, because all y'all do is rip on one another. And some of us have gotten stuck in houses like that or we set up house climates like that where we think this is all comical, it's all forgiving, it's passing. But the problem is we oftentimes feel trapped and we start building an identity of being more of a screw up, more of a never hitting the mark, uh, never winning, never quite impressing, never quite seeing the value. And so bitter water creates Bitter people, but sweet water restores people. So, what can we do? I always like to share messages that give practical steps, and at the end, I'm going to give you one practical step to become sweet water for your families and households. But here's a scripture that really everything hinges on for me because it stood out to me, and I felt like this is the main scripture God wanted us to hear. Second, Second uh, 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 um, Corinthians seven, verse six. This is Paul in mid-sentence, and it caught my attention. It says, God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged me. Encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Say that with me. Read that scripture with me. God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. One more time. Say it with me proud, loud and proud. God... Who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Really quickly, three things that stands out to me about this one sentence is that this. Number one, God sees your discouragement. If you're in this place discouraged, I want you to know that maybe your pastor missed it, maybe your leader missed it, maybe your boss missed it, maybe your spouse missed it, maybe your parents missed it, maybe um, your kids missed it, but I want you to know that God doesn't miss it. God sees all, knows all, and he hasn't missed it. You are not abandoned. You are not forsaken. He's paying attention. And I learned that, number two, God knows how to encourage the discouraged. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, 6. Uh, 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 God who encourages those who are discouraged, this is what God does. He goes to work on behalf of his kids. He is a father at heart. He loves every one of his sons and daughters. He, how many of you enjoy seeing your son or daughter wake up hurt or grieving or come home after a day of being bullied or, 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 or deal with discouragement um, where they, they're the reason the game wasn't won or, or they just went through a breakup and you're like, oh, yeah, this is the day I waited for. I love these kinds of days when you're hurt. no. As a good, good father or mother or parent, he cares when we are discouraged, and he knows how to encourage those who are discouraged. We oftentimes go to social media to try to encourage us. We often try to go to family members. We try to go to other people. And Listen, I'm grateful for people in our lives who are lifts to us, but do we know the one who knows how to encourage those who get discouraged? Because every one of us is going to go through it. And then finally, what stands out to me is often God sends people to encourage, discourage. Look at this part. He encouraged us. How? By the arrival of Titus. Titus, my boy, showed up at just the right time. Come on. Someone sent me a text message at just the right time. Come on. Someone dapped me up at just the right time. Someone, someone shouted out my praise at just the right time. And God often uses people to encourage to discourage. You know, um, we try to get together with our dream team. If you don't know what our dream team is, our dream team is every. Every single person who serves here. This church is powered by not just a, a, a staff or one or two people, it's by a whole dream team who shows up and volunteers and gives up their time to turn a theater into a church because the lift of the Lord is worth it, because a smile on your face when you hit the parking lot is worth it, because praying over every single seat before you show up is worth it, praying over the online feed is worth it, and, and uh, um, investing uh, Jesus into our children is worth it. Can we We give it up for every one of our dream team. Come on. They're so amazing. I got to say this. Five or six of our dream teamers found out what time the last showing in this theater was last night. And they showed up so that they could fill up this water tank because they were unsure that it would get filled up in enough time. If we did it on a Sunday, it might be too cold and nobody wants to get baptized in an ice bath. And so they showed up at 1230 and they were from 1230 to 215 because they chose to. To make sure that that was like a sauna when they got into it. come on tony was that not warm all right come on come on our dream team's amazing i just give it give shout out for those six because they went above and beyond they didn't have to they set up everything Often God sends people to encourage, to discourage. Why am I talking about the dream team? Because we got together um, yesterday, we get together about Coralie and we share the victories and some things that are happening. I want to share with you what one dream teamer sent my wife and I for Christmas that I've been holding for the right time to share. And uh, my wife and I were so blessed when we read this letter that um, one of our dream teamers wrote to my wife and I. He said this, Dear Pastor Drew and Lauren, I can't explain to you guys how much these last six months have meant to me. To say that you guys have changed my faith would be an understatement. In just a matter of a few months, you have taken someone who has become more bitter, there's that word again, and frustrated with the church. To someone who couldn't be more excited about the future of the church, as well as making me thrilled to walk through those doors every time I get the honor to be there. You guys have welcomed me into your family almost from the jump while not knowing that much about me. And as someone who's coming from a place where I wasn't really given any opportunities, you guys have placed nothing but trust in me. Being able to serve with you and the whole Lyft family has been nothing but a great pleasure I am truly honored to be able to say that I attend Lyft Church and Lyft College. Sincerely, Will. Come on. Can y'all give it up for so, Listen. I love that what he was saying is this is a body of people that when the church is functioning like the church, it's full of individuals who know how to lift one another up, who know how to share the hope of Jesus Christ, what they're excited about, share it with one another. And now I'm excited that we're sharing it week after week. Some do it with greeting signs and and helping you park in the parking lot. Some do it through security and prayer. Some do it through teaching that stuff. Some do it with musicians and media and camera equipment. Some people do it kids but all I know is this that God often uses people to encourage discouraged people and every single week we got people who come in who say this is my last week I'm checking in my kids and if God doesn't meet me today I don't know what I'm gonna do and I'm so grateful to do it with people who are encouraging each other by just simply saying yes guys every single time whether you're on the dream team or not when you choose to lift someone else you are being used by God to encourage, to discourage. And I don't know, sometimes I think we won't know the impact we've had until we get to heaven one day. God's going to go, do you know what you did when you walked into that cubicle? Like what? I mean, dude looked like he was going to quit. Some of them guys were pretty harsh on him today. They really used the wrong words. And 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 God says, yeah, but then you walked in. And you're like, I didn't do very much. I believe that some of those surprise stories are going to hit us when we get to heaven one day. When we choose to live by the power of the Holy Spirit who just says, go lift someone up today. Go be an encouragement in the midst of a desert of discouragement. So how do we do this? And and, and by the way, if you want to join our our dream team, the best way to do that is is go through Next Steps, which starts next week. You can sign up on the events page of our website, and I highly encourage that. We just had six new people sign up for our dream team, and I love just joining people to the family. I'm pumped about that because I love when people realize that church was never meant to be led by one or two people. It was never – it is the body of Christ, And we all have different gifts. And we make one great body, baby. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we make one great body. (laughs) That did sound a little odd to say in church, didn't it? Okay. Anyway. Here's the problem. And you already know the problem. There's a big problem with this message. Being a walking lift, being a walking encouragement, being a walking life giver isn't easy. You don't just take a message like this and go, you're right, Pastor Drew, I'm going to try harder. If you could fix it by trying harder, you would have fixed it by now. We do have seasons of trying harder and we do have ceilings uh, seasons of getting it more right than than not but we all have feelings hurts and frustrations too we all go through life that saps us and attacks us and an opposition comes after us or disappointments that people in our lives didn't react the right way and so it's not just as easy as saying i'll get better at this it has to be something bigger and so we got to look back at the original text how did god make the bitter become sweet and when we look at verse 25 it says god told moses to do something interesting he said you're gonna have to in order to fix this in order to get a bunch of disgruntled literally millions of people who are thirsty and disgruntled you're gonna have to go get a stick what are we talking about (laughs) get a stick I ain't got time for this foolishness No, no 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 you don't have time to miss what you might call foolishness because many people call the cross foolishness but he says to Moses you're gonna have to go get a stick and you're gonna have to go throw it into the midst of the bitterness and I'm gonna do a transformation in the midst of bitter waters that's so great that merely a stick thrown into a bitter situation can turn bitter water sweet. It was a foreshadow that you're gonna need a piece of wood, you're gonna need a cross that is thrown into the midst of your life, because simply saying, I'll get better, Pastor Drew, I'll set a reminder to be nicer, is not going to work. No, you need a transformation, because life has hit you too, because you have a reason to be bitter too, but if you can get a stick of wood thrown into the middle of your body of water, when people start trying to take a drink from your life, it doesn't have to be bitter anymore. God can do a transformation and turn the bitter into sweet. you got to throw a stick into the middle of it we got to get the cross of jesus christ see what happens is that god first wants to heal your heart look at ezekiel um, uh, 36 says this i'm going to give you a new heart and i will put a new spirit in you he doesn't say i'm going to give you new homework try harder he doesn't say i'm going to give you new homework be nicer he doesn't say i'm going to give you new homework be better He says, I'm going to give you a brand new heart and a brand new spirit. I'm going to take out of you the stony, stubborn heart, and I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart. It all starts with God taking out the old and putting in the new. It's a transformation of the heart. It's not gruffy people going, I'm going to just be nice tomorrow and then I'm going to wake up and be nice the next day. No, 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 you'll fail. Just like I failed. You need a transformation. You need Jesus thrown in the midst of it. And then after he heals your heart, but look what it says here. Then your healed heart speaks healing words. Look at uh, Matthew 12. It says, for whatever's in your heart determines what you say. The reason so many of us can't control our tongue is because we're trying to do it with an old heart. That holds on to things holds on to unforgiveness, holds on to unjust pain, holds on to being passed over, holds on to being neglected, holds on by having words of abuse spoken over us, holds on to broken identities, holds on to failures in life, and we need to stop trying to see the good in it and saying, God, I just need a brand new heart and spirit because I have so much difficulty Controlling what comes out of my mouth. And so when God starts, he starts by giving us a new heart. And then what's healed on the inside of your heart, it it determines what you say. So when Jesus heals your heart, I wrote this down as we close. He simultaneously changes the way you speak from bitter to sweet. From complaining to complimenting. From dogging to doting. From cursing to birthing. We need to start birthing life in people. Instead of killing each other with our words. The Bible says this, that who can control the tongue? It's, a, it's basically a wild weapon. But praise God that he can do all things. And so when Jesus heals our heart, he does this. The, the words we speak, I heard one author say this, the words we speak are a spiritual gauge. Many times people will say, it doesn't really matter what I say at work. It doesn't really matter what I say at home some people would say my speech at home is kind of dysfunctional the way i speak at work is kind of dysfunctional too here's one quote i read the words we speak are a spiritual gauge some people say "Uh (laughs) uh-oh showing how much of our soul we have surrendered to god when we choose god you can not only have my heart god you can not only have my mind but god you can have my tongue too there's a true surrender of the soul because if you're anything like me, you might go through an argument, maybe in your in your marriage, and God's saying, you know you need to forgive first. And I'm like, I don't want to use my tongue that way. They need to go first. You, you know you need to speak words of life first. You know you've been just complaining a lot. You know you've been like, throwing a wet blanket on on your kids a lot yeah their their room's a mess it needs to get fixed up and they didn't bring home the right grades or they didn't make the best decision but will you speak words of life because when you were not quite making the right decisions I still said this to you you're welcome to be a son of mine you're welcome to be a daughter of mine it's all in the words that have such an ability to change the course of people but we can't just do better. We got to let God transform us. So I told you I'd give you one practical way to become um, sweet waters for your family. And here it is. If you've got a pen, write this down. If you've got a smartphone, take a note. Write this down. Let the cross of Jesus touch your life. Some people want to come to church and just get some self-help. I promise you, your family doesn't need you to have any more self-help. Your family needs you to get closer to Jesus and to let the stick be thrown in but that's stupid how could a stick transform water why don't you just let Jesus and the act the loving act of the cross give it a try and see what it happens once Jesus spoke with a discouraged desperate highly dysfunctional Samaritan woman one time and he told her this if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to you would ask me and I would give you living what's that word again water you'll want a drink from me You'll want to get as much of it in you as possible. And if you do, you won't need what the world has to offer. Your water will not leave you thirsting in just a few hours. For the water that Jesus gives is water that won't run dry. It'll be a living spring bubbling up on the inside of you that will be perpetual. And you will, it, it'll bring life to you. But not only to you, it'll cause other people to have the same cry I think the Samaritan woman did. Please give me more of this water when people interact with us and take a sip from your life what do they taste do they long for the source that it comes from or do they say that's bitter water and i don't i'm just going to my room i don't want much of it i just want to pray over us today because i believe god is the transformer he doesn't give us a bible to give us information as much as he wants transformation. As we let the words, re- as we read the words, it reads our heart and it tells us when we need to be transformed. Father, in this place, if there's anybody who, who, who knows, God, I have not gotten it right in this area. I, 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 the convictions happening even right now of some words I spoke over my wife on the way here or some words I spoke over my husband that I knew crushed them or some words I spoke over my kids that I know it, it, it had to feel like I dropped an anchor on them, Father, or words I've spoken at my job site and while they might have felt like they deserved it, Father, it wasn't the best witness. Father, we have trouble controlling the tongue, but I thank you, God, that you're the one who forgives us, Father, and then you also encourage to discourage. So, Father, we even intercede in prayer right now for the ones we've spoken over and hurt. Just pray over them right now. Father, I pray you would heal them from my words. Father, give me courage to go and encourage them by asking for forgiveness, Father. But, Father, now I pray over my own tongue, and I say, Father, my tongue's controlled by what's in my heart, and if there's any discouragement and bitterness inside me I'm asking you to take it out if I've been stony and unforgiving over situations things that hurt me i have just holding on to grudges Father would you heal my stony heart because it causes me to say things that I regret I feel like right now if we don't get in a rush right now Lord wants to touch some hearts Father have your way in our hearts It's been a long time since that part of your heart's been touched. And he says, let me just touch it today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do a move that no one else can do. Other people aren't even aware of what's going on right now. But even right now, in person and at home, some people are, the Holy Spirit's saying, I got a place I just want to touch. And you and I both know it's time to let me heal it. In Jesus' name. God, help us to be new people. Courageous enough to live for you. And we know that our mouths get to be, you're the Lord of it. You're the Lord of it, so we give it to you in Jesus' name. And with every every head bowed and every eye closed before we leave this place, you say... I've never really had an encounter with Jesus or it's been too long I know I've walked away and I have not been living right with Jesus Christ I used to be that way I remember sitting in a place like this just knowing I need these waters he's talking about because what's on the inside of me and the decisions I've been making I'm just not proud of and I know that this wasn't who I was created to be if you're in this place and you're living with shame, regrets, things that you've done, things that you've said, things that, and you don't know how to find this Lord Jesus Christ. I want to introduce you to him today. He didn't come to die on a cross so that you had a good history book. He came to forgive you, and he bled to cover your sin so it could be washed away. It's called the greatest exchange ever because he was an innocent man who died a criminal's guilty death so that guilty people can become innocent again it's a restart that jesus offers and it can happen right now today with every head bowed every eye closed if you say pastor you asked me would you include me in that prayer i'm not going to embarrass you i'm not going to call you forward i'm not going to call you out i just want you to say to heaven high into the sky that's me today i make a decision to let you be the lord of my life in every way in jesus name come on if that's you just say include me in that prayer if you're online, say, include me too. That's me too. I thank you so much for the hand that's being raised. There's some hands going on. We're so proud of you. Thank you for the courage. We're going to pray a simple prayer, and I'm going to ask the whole church to repeat it and pray it along with you out loud as we declare Jesus as the Lord of our lives. So let's say, Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner. I've made some dumb mistakes. I have some regrets. But I thank you that you can set me free. Jesus, you died in my place so that I can be free. Jesus, you are the Son of God, and I make you the Lord of my life. Father, I want to live for you all the rest of my days. It means you get to call the shots, and I want to give you praise. In Jesus' name, turn the bitter to sweet, I pray. Amen.